is a message from one of our Sunday celebrations. And you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. But fortunately, he left me something to say, which is not normally a problem. Um, But as we've said, in the church calendar, we celebrate Pentecost today, and uh, I felt it would be good for us to look at that. This morning, we don't have as much time as I perhaps like now, but we do have enough time to open up God's Word together, to look at what it says to us, and uh, to ask the Holy Spirit to help us uh, apply and understand what we read. So that's what we're going to do right now. Acts chapter 2. We'll start reading at verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, the crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in his own native language? Parthians, Medes and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism. Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked each other, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they've had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we want to thank you now for uh, your words to us. We thank you for this account of this day of Pentecost and Lord we pray now in these few moments we have together that you would come and teach us you would come and inspire us you would come and speak to us by your spirit we ask it please in Jesus name amen amen okay so Pentecost then what we're talking about now the festival of Pentecost for us as Christians is really the birthday of the church. It would be entirely appropriate for us to have a cake here with candles. It wouldn't be appropriate to light them because it would be dangerous, there would be a lot of them, and it would be a fire hazard, clearly. However, it would be appropriate for us to celebrate the birthday of the church. But as well as being significant in the life of the church, 
Pentecost is significant and, I would say, vital in the life of every believer. Pentecost isn't just something that we celebrate as a church and say, oh, it's the church's birthday, it's when the church was formed. That's true. But what we see happen at Pentecost should be a living and very real experience for every believer, every person who follows Jesus. And and more than that, it's essential to the mission of the church. Actually, for a church to exist without Pentecost and without the life of the Holy Spirit isn't really what the Bible expects. Actually, the Bible expects every local church to be thoroughly full of the Holy Spirit and thoroughly full of the power and life that he brings. So what does this passage teach us then? What have we got to learn from this um, account in Acts chapter 2? Well, firstly, if you've got your Bible open there, beginning in chapter 2, you'll see that we're told when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. They were all together. It's interesting, isn't it? They were gathered. They were together as a group of believers, as those who were being obedient to Jesus. They were waiting. Jesus had told them to wait. Back in Acts chapter 1, in verse 4, we're told that on one occasion, while Jesus was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. They were told to wait. Before they were to do anything, they were told to wait. Now, it's important that we don't stop our reading there because if we did, we could say, oh, we're being told to wait. No, Jesus told them to wait until the Holy Spirit came because he knew that they couldn't do anything in their own strength or power. We'll come to that in a moment. But we see there that they were waiting, they were together, and also that they were worshipping. In verse 14 of Acts chapter 1, we see they all joined together constantly in prayer along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. You can imagine that this uh, was a prayer meeting where they worshipped and prayed and called on the Lord to send his spirit, which he had promised to do. Remember, they were being told to wait until he did that. I can imagine them praying and asking God to, to do that which he had promised, to do that which Jesus had spoken about. Does that sound familiar, like our sort of prayer meetings? Lord, you said this, so would you do it? Listen, I have to say, this week just gone, we had a prayer meeting on, when was it, Wednesday evening, we had a cracking time. It was great. We had a fantastic time of worshipping the Lord, calling on him, seeking him, and saying, Lord, you said such and such, now, Lord, would you do it? Would you fulfil what you've spoken about? We had an outstanding evening. And if you're thinking, oh, wish I was there, then you can come next month when we do it again. We had a great time worshipping and praying, didn't we? Those of you who are there, I'm, I'm seeing some nods and agreements, which is great. I think that's what they were doing here. They were saying, Lord, you've, you've spoken this. God, you've said this. Jesus, you've told us to wait until the Holy Spirit comes. So now would you send him, please? You can imagine them praying and worshipping like that, can't you? Isn't it interesting? They were together. And then after the Holy Spirit was poured out upon them, we see later in Acts chapter 2 that they met together every day. 
It seems that the early church didn't need persuading that meeting together was a good idea. They just did it. They met together every day in the temple courts in their homes. They were just glad to be with one another, glad to be worshipping the Lord together, praying, seeking Him, and sharing fellowship with one another. Isn't it sad that by the time the book of Hebrews is written, the writer to the Hebrews has to instruct the recipients like this in Hebrews 10, verse 25, where it says, Let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Initially, it seems that they would just love to be together. By the time Hebrews was written, <laughs> they had to be told, don't give up meeting together. Don't do it. Some are in the habit of doing. I think that's a word for our day, isn't it? I can think of people that I've known over the years who love Jesus, and who really have been passionately full of life for him, but have just given up meeting together. And over a period of time, just seem to be nowhere with God. This is a word for our day. <laughs> Don't give up meeting together. And as we look at the early church, we look at here and in, in Acts 2, we see they just love to be together. I want that to be true of us, don't you? Just love to be together, love to meet together, love to worship together, to encounter God together. Sounds fun, doesn't it? It's interesting, they don't have to be told it here. They just did it. They're just full of God and love to be with one another. So they were meeting together first. And secondly, in verse 2, I love this word. Acts 2, verse 2. Suddenly. I want us to say it together. Can we do that? Suddenly. It's a great word, isn't it? I love the suddenlies of God. The suddenlies of Scripture. Suddenly, now they were praying and asking God to break in. Then suddenly... When the day came, everything changed. How many of you know that's true? When God breaks in, everything changes. You can be praying and fasting and asking God and seeking Him. You're praying on your own. You're praying with other people. You're desperately asking God to do something. And suddenly, God breaks in and everything changes. Everything is about to change now. Suddenly... A sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. This was what they had been waiting for. This was what they had been asking God for. This was promised to them. Isn't it interesting? It, wasn't, it was suddenly, listen to this, it was suddenly but not unexpected. It was suddenly but not unexpected. They had been praying and asking God for this. And we're told suddenly God break, broke in. You can think, is that the right word to use? Because <laughs> they've been asking God for that. Yes. It was suddenly, but not unexpected. I do think that's true for us, friends. We could be asking God for things, we can be praying, seeking Him, and then suddenly God breaks in. Suddenly things change. It's suddenly, but not unexpected. God calls us to pray with faith and expectation. Knowing that he's said something, there's been a promise spoken. But still we get the suddenly. 
Think about the coming of Jesus, for example. The birth of Jesus had been prophesied over a long period of time, had been looked forward to over many years. But suddenly, when it was the right time, Jesus came. The promise of the Spirit. Again, the promise of the Spirit had been looked forward to for years. Peter quoted from Joel, Old Testament prophet, looking forward to another time when things were going to be different. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit was only given to certain individuals at certain times for certain purposes. Joel looked forward to a different time when the Holy Spirit would be poured out in power upon all who believe. It was looked forward to, not unexpected, but suddenly God did something. I want to encourage you, friends, this morning. What has God spoken to you about? What are you holding on to God for? What has he promised you? What has he said to you? What are you constantly praying back to the Lord and saying, Lord, you said this, would you do it, please? I want to encourage you in the suddenness of God. Suddenly, God can break in. Suddenly, things can change. Suddenly, the Holy Spirit's poured out. Everything changes. Nothing is ever the same again. It's good, isn't it? Suddenly, God does something. When we see here that suddenly the Holy Spirit comes. And as we've already said, the, the coming of the Spirit had been looked forward to for many years. He had been promised. So as we've spoken about already, Peter quoted from Joel. Joel looked forward to it. But Jesus had spoken of this as well. So back in John chapter 7, for example, so a passage I'm sure you know very well, Jesus says this, John chapter 7, verse 37. He says this, On the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not yet been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. Jesus promised the coming of the Spirit. He looked forward to that time when the Spirit was going to be poured out upon those who believed. In the beginning of Acts, we said in Acts chapter 1, Jesus gives them a command, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised. The Holy Spirit had been promised. It wasn't just a vague hope wasn't just a, well, maybe God will do this, you know, if, if we're lucky. No, no, no. Jesus had promised something. You know what? What Jesus promises, he does. It's true then, and it's true now. Jesus promised the coming of the Spirit. And in verse 8 of Acts chapter 1, he says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Jesus was promising something here. He was telling his disciples to expect something. He was going to do something. So what happened then? We see in the verses we've read in Acts chapter 2 that there was a, a sound like wind, there was tongues like, like fire, and the disciples were, uh, were speaking in languages they did not know and understand. Some people looked upon this and made fun of them, saying, they've had too much wine. They were saying, they look like drunk men. 
That's what they were saying. Thinking, what's going on? They look like they're drunk. But, at the same time, they're saying, but I can hear them speak in my own language. And another person says, oh yeah, me too. Somebody else is saying, oh yeah, and me. Someone else is saying, you know what, they're speaking my language as well. What's going on? It can't just be that they're drunk. Something is happening. God was up to something. Isn't it interesting that there was evidence in that moment of what God was doing? People could look and see that something was happening. There wasn't any doubt about it. You know, they were speaking different languages. There was probably great joy. And the disciples looked like they were drunk. Something was going on. It was visible. People could see it and notice it. Always, when you look through Scripture, when you look through the New Testament, when people encounter God and are filled with the Holy Spirit, when they're baptized in the Spirit, when God comes on like this in power, something happens. There is some evidence to what God is doing. Always. It's observable. There's different occasions. You could, we don't have time to look at them all this morning. There's different occasions, different evidences of the Holy Spirit coming. One of them, and just one, is speaking in tongues, other languages that God gives. It might be another human language, might be a heavenly language used to worship Jesus. That's an evidence of the Holy Spirit coming. Not the only one, mind. There are other occasions in Scripture where the Holy Spirit comes on a group of believers and they prophesy. It might be the Holy Spirit comes on you and uh, you get a fantastic sense of God and great joy and, and laughter maybe. Something happens. I wonder for you, has something happened in your encountering God? It doesn't have to be tongues. It doesn't have to be prophecy. And the Bible encourages us to speak in tongues and to prophesy. But it may not be that straight away. It's okay. What is it for you? Has there been some evidence of God coming to you? In power, the Holy Spirit filling you. What has it been for you? That's what happened. What about why? Why did it happen? A common criticism of some charismatic churches is that too often they can be focused on the internals of receiving the Spirit just so you can feel good. Just so you can feel happy in God and feel, oh, I'm blessed, isn't that good? Well, for the record, I like feeling blessed and I like feeling happy. That's okay. But it doesn't just stop there. In fact, that's not the primary reason the Holy Spirit comes to us. It's if you like a side effect. That's a good side effect. You can take some medicines and have a bad side effect. This is a good side effect. Joy in the Holy Spirit, feeling his closeness, knowing that you're loved by God. That's, that's a pretty good side effect, isn't it? And I don't think you would disagree with that. But listen, it's not the main purpose that the Holy Spirit comes for. Even joy. I mean, joy is great. I love being joyful. I love being joyful in the Spirit. But that's not the primary reason the Holy Spirit is sent to us. Listen to what Jesus says. We'd do well to listen to what Jesus says. He says this, Acts 1, verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. 
The primary reason the Holy Spirit is sent to us, the primary reason he comes to us and fills us is to give us power for mission, power to live for him, power to be witnesses of Jesus in every place. That's the primary reason the Holy Spirit is given to us. As well as that, we get a sense of knowing that we're loved by God, closeness to Him, a security of Him, joy in the Spirit, all the gifts of the Spirit we could talk about, wonderful fruit of the Spirit as well. But listen, the primary reason is this. You will be my witnesses. That's what Jesus says. Jesus is looking for us to be His witnesses. Power for life and ministry and serving him. Power to speak of him. Power for his church to live for him. Power to live as a Christian. As we were getting ready to to come out this morning, I was uh, downstairs having having some breakfast, having been out for a walk and and praying, come back and I myself some toast. Sarah was upstairs uh, getting ready, uh, probably with hairdryer and straighteners and all these sort of things that, uh, that ladies like to use. As you can see, I use them often, and this is the effect it makes. Anyway, so there we are, getting ready. Suddenly, the power goes. I think it's probably the toaster. Toast pops up, and bang, power's off. No power. TV goes off. Kids are not happy at this point. Hairdryer and straighteners go, goes off. Wife not happy at this point. I've got my toast, all right, it's all good. So I'm I'm okay. I think probably need to do something about this. There's a power cut. I wonder, now, the good news is we've got it solved. You'll be pleased to know that. All all resolved, now power back again. I wonder, if there was a spiritual power cut, would you notice? Would we notice? If suddenly the Holy Spirit was cut off from us, would we notice? What about the majority of the church in this country? Would she notice? What about you and I? Would we notice if we had a spiritual power cut? So friends, the Holy Spirit comes to bring power. Power to witness. Power to live for Jesus. This morning, God wants to come to you and bring you power. Amen? And it's for now. The disciples are told to wait. Why? They needed to wait until they had power to go. We don't have to wait anymore. The Holy Spirit's been poured out, and now that should be our experience always. So the time for us is now. It isn't that we have to wait for another day. We don't have to wait for another occasion. We don't have to wait for another meeting or another uh, occurrence where we could come to God. But rather, the invitation is for now because it's for today. And it's not only a one-off thing either. It's not that you become a Christian and that you're filled with the Spirit and you're, you're good to go. But rather, the New Testament expects us to have an ongoing life in the Spirit. Paul says this in Ephesians chapter 5, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, or better, be filled with the Spirit. And the language that he uses is a language of a constant, ongoing action. It's not a one-off thing. But rather, it's a constant, ongoing thing. The better translation would be, go on being continually filled with the Spirit. 
That would be a more accurate translation of the Greek. Go on being con- constantly, continually filled with the Holy Spirit. Go on growing in Him. Go on growing in His gifts. Grow on going in confidence in God. Grow on growing in hearing God. All these things that we talk about, God wants you to grow in those things. And you grow in those things by receiving the Spirit and going on receiving and living in the good of the Holy Spirit. So for those of us who have been a Christian for any length of time, the challenge to us is this. Are we living in the good of this? Is this our daily experience? On this day of Pentecost, as we celebrate the Holy Spirit being poured out upon the church, the question for us is this. Is this your everyday experience? Because it should be. That life in God, that joy in Him, the power to live for Him, should be your everyday experience. But as we close, and I'll finish with this, if the band could come back up, please, that would be great. Peter preached a message on the day of Pentecost. So all this happened, Holy Spirit's poured out, talks about this, Holy Spirit comes to people, they get accused of being drunk, and Peter says, no, no, you don't understand, let me tell you what it's about. And he explains the message of the gospel to them. He explains to them what it is to follow Jesus. He explains to them about Jesus Christ who was died, who was crucified, who died and rose again. He explains his message to them. And when the people heard this, we're told they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied, Repent and be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. You might feel far off this morning. You might feel a long way from Jesus. But this word is for you. The promise is for you, for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Peter says, and I say, in quoting him, repent and be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Friends, let's stand together. We're going to do two things now. Firstly, in a moment, we're going to pray for any who would like to receive the Holy Spirit afresh this morning. And so we're going to worship and I'm going to ask you to come to the front and we're going to pray for you. We don't have loads of time, so you'll need to come quickly. Limber up now and be ready for a, a quick dash to the front. But I believe that God wants to meet many of you this morning. I really do. Now, God can do this any time. It doesn't have to be Pentecost. But as we celebrate this, it's a good opportunity to pray for one another and pray for the life of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. Why? To be witnesses for him. And you get the side effects as well. 
So we're going to do that in a moment. But before we do that, I just want us to be quiet before the Lord for a moment. And if you can all close your eyes, that would be great. Please. I just want to see if there's any of you here this morning who want to respond to this message of the gospel. This good news that Jesus came to preach and to demonstrate and make possible in relationship with him. Peter says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Any of you this morning who haven't yet received that gift and responded to Jesus, then we'd love to pray for you this morning as well. And this is we stand with our eyes closed. Just put your hand up and I'll just want to identify you. Thank you, thank you. We're going to pray for you in a moment. Let's just pray together. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you for your promise of the Holy Spirit. I thank you too for your promise of new life in you. Thank you, Lord, for your promise where you say if we repent, then we can trust in you for a new life, the forgiveness of sin. Thank you, Lord, for the promise of your Holy Spirit. Lord Jesus, thank you that promise is for now and for today. We thank you, Jesus. If you put your hand up a moment ago, I want you to pray this prayer just after me as I, as I pray it. Just pray it in your heart before the Lord. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you that you made it possible to have a relationship with you. Thank you for your forgiveness and new life. I now turn away from everything I know to be wrong and choose to put my trust in you. I receive the gift of your Holy Spirit and pray that you would help me to live for you. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's, uh, let's worship the Lord together. Caroline's going to lead us in a song. And if you'd like to receive some prayer this morning, and uh, I'd love you to come to the front quickly as we worship. I'd love to pray for you. I believe God's going to encounter some of you this morning. And uh, those of you who have prayed that prayer that we just talked about there, I'd love for you to come as well. And we'd like to pray with you and give you some literature that will help you and be helpful to you. So let's worship the Lord together and celebrate and we're going to pray. Thanks for listening to this Jubilee Church podcast. Feel free to check out our website at www.jubilee.org.uk and come along on any Sunday morning.